It's me, Dale Shiver, your host through the deep night. It's 4 a.m., according to this podcaster's watch that I found in a cereal box. And I'm ready to guide you through this hour of regrets and revelations. You're listening to another episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Is this a comedy podcast? Yes, it is. But uh, in light of... The recent events in Orlando, something has shifted. Uh, for me, something has shifted in the world, and I want to use this opportunity to uh, talk about some of my own feelings about uh, what's going on. I realize that um, perhaps a podcast is not equivalent to a long-form post on social media, or maybe it is. But uh, either way, uh, this is the, the, the forum that uh, I've chosen here to acknowledge um, one that uh, 50 people uh, were murdered at a gay club in Florida and I want to um, both honor them and acknowledge the amazing, dazzling, generous and caring LGBTQ people who I have been so fortunate to know, to work alongside of and uh, to love. Uh, I would not be here without them. They are truly uh, an extended family of mine, and so I want to say right off the bat uh, how meaningful uh, you are to me. Um, There is something, though, that is within uh, one's history that maybe dictates how one responds to certain events. Uh, My family came over on the Mayflower, or perhaps Mayflower-adjacent, probably, no doubt recording things as they went along the way, making good commentary, I'm sure. They escaped religious persecution. Imagine that. Now we have it right here. Where are the boats, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And look, some of them weren't so great at not being so super judgy themselves. Uh, they wanted freedom, but almost immediately they took actions that were counter to that impulse. I also know that within uh, my family, as I've mentioned on this show, one of the first uh, witches, uh, so-called, that was uh, burned up there in Salem uh, is someone that I am descended from. So they, uh, the people were agitators, and um, they weren't always willing to go along with the program. And um, the majority of my family that settled in Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey around there, they were Quakers. Uh I tell you, Quakers, not not such a bad thing to be descended from. Anti-war, against slavery. Sometimes you go through these who-do-you-think-you-are ancestry family tree deals and you think, oh, gosh, but uh, I'm okay being descended from Quakers. They're, by and large, a good group. Um, And uh, my family was very high up in that uh, organization for centuries. And you can still visit one of the large Quaker estates that... um, that uh, was set up there, and a lot of the ancestors of mine were friends with old William Penn. Old Billy Penn uh, gave some of his woods to to them. But in the Quaker tradition, 
there was a great value placed on silence, on silent waiting, not speaking until the Lord speaks through you. Well, uh, I'm not saying this is coming from the Lord, but I am saying that I am uh, feeling the Spirit, and I am so moved to articulate some of those feelings here uh, uh, tonight. Now, I didn't grow up Quaker, but I learned by example or evolution or subtle changes in DNA handed down from generation to generation that you you don't speak unless you have something to contribute. That's why I'm probably bad at small talk, and I'm not interested in learning more about the age of your pet. It's not that I don't care. I just don't have anything meaningful to add to the longevity of a hybrapoodle. And so when something like this, this tragic event comes up, when you have you have something terrible that's gone down, or you have an idiot blowhard running for president, I try not to post about it on social media. My views are, I assume, perhaps incorrectly, but uh, I assume my views are well known, and they are, are shared by most of my friends. So why put something back out there into the echo chamber of Facebook posts, where tomorrow it will vanish under a waterfall of other posts about children graduating from grades where graduations have no place. You don't need a second grade graduation ceremony, do you, young ones? I don't think you do. It robs the specialness of the fifth grade graduation ceremony. Or posts about special meals that you've made with a loved one. I mean, I love food, but it doesn't always photograph well. Also, I get it. You're happy. I'm thrilled. I still have a little crush on you, but I'm thrilled that it'll never work out between us. Or a post about an article I read three days ago because uh, that is the speed of information. So if you're posting an article three days late or weeks late, I, I, don't, I don't need to participate in that. That's like if your aunt or something would send you a clipping, an actual newspaper clipping that she sat down, unfolded the paper on the, on the kitchen table and took out the scissors that were not the good scissors, but the scissors that you used for cutting paper. And you, she cut out this funny article that gave her a chuckle and made her think of you and put it in an envelope and sent you. That's what some of these posts feel like. So I don't know that what I have to put up there is really contributing to that when that's the context. So I don't post things that are politically radical uh, generally. Um, For a while, it was because I didn't want to alienate listeners. I have people listen to this program all over the country, and I respect that uh, not everybody agrees. That's fine. I also don't want to have an awkward conversation with my family. I don't want to get into a Snopes.com said this, and here's another article that says that, and back and forth, and links, and all that jazz, because it's just Facebook, and already it's hard enough to get along, so maybe in virtual space we can just pretend for a moment that everything's fine. But then this shooting happened, and before that, other shootings happened. I didn't post about those either. I wept like anyone with a heart would weep when when children children are, are at the school in Connecticut, as anyone with a small child around would, anyone that just exists would. It's the stuff of nightmares. It's so outrageously terrible that it's hard to process. And the same thing happens, these little breaks in our country, in our national identity, when we have things like Baltimore and Ferguson and Cleveland and Chicago every night of the week and on and on and on, and New Orleans, and, I mean, 
Columbine scared me too. That was the first one to really get me. These these fellas in their uh, trench coats, you know, coming in to 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 do what they what they did. I, I, I knew kids in high school like that, but because my family was no better off than theirs, and we went to the same low-cost day camp, or because my father had worked on their house, I knew them. I could look them in the eyes, and I knew where they came from. The guy whose dad had a military jeep parked forever outside in the yard and a stash of playboys under the bed and probably guns. Now that I think about it, there were definitely uh, guns around that house. I knew him, and I rode the bus with him, and I was his friend. And I like to think that knowing him neutralized the, the animosity in some way just knowing a person. I didn't like being marginalized, and I tried to make them feel less so, too. It's a basic impulse that maybe we've gotten away from, that empathy. It helps to have it. Now, I will say this. I don't think that I was always as kind as I could have been to the kids in school who were gay. In looking back, I tried to have compassion for them, uh, for not fitting in, getting teased, things that happened to me, too. I will also say this. One of the kids was just insufferable. Maybe that was because he was having a tough time with his identity and and, and the the response to that from the other kids. There could have been bullying, harassment. I don't know what was going on. But also some people are just irritating, gay or straight, and that creates its own set of problems. But I was also a competitive child. So if you sang better or you acted better or you drew a picture better, you're somebody I immediately had a problem with. Because then we had to do a battle. You know, then we were locked in some kind of psychic combat, arts combat. It wasn't ever a hatred feeling. I never had that. It was a jealousy thing. I don't have much hate for things in the world other than bad behavior on the subway and disrespecting another person's rights, of course, and any entity that views the world through the lens of pure profit. But beyond that, I mean, truly, I'm just not a person that has that. I try to be an optimist. I try to be a little bit of a realist, but also I don't have real hatred for things. It doesn't burn in me, and it's difficult when you see it, when, when, when hatred pops up like it has. It's hard for me to even understand how you can get to that point. And the shooting that just occurred, it makes me want to do the long post on my wall, unlike all the other times. I don't... I, I don't know what that is about. But I also know that just posting something, it's just ether, it's nothing. And I feel hopeless quite quickly about where I, about what I can accomplish, you know, in that realm. So that's why I'm turning to this uh, uh, f- uh, forum to say a few things here, just to, to put them down, to put some of my thoughts. N- none of this is very well organized. But I thought, first of all, let let us do this. Let us let us read the names of the victims who uh, who we honor, even though they were strangers to us, because they were someone's son, someone's daughter, and they were loved. They were beings who were cherished in the universe, and we should honor them. Edward Sotomayor Jr., Stanley Almodovar. Luis Ocasio Capo, Juan Guerrero, Eric Ortiz Rivera, Peter Gonzalez Cruz, Luis Vielma, Kimberly Morris, Eddie Justice, Daryl Burt, 
Dianca Drayton, Alejandro Martinez, Anthony Luis Loriano Disla, Jean Carlos Mendez Perez, Frankie Velasquez, Amanda Alviar, Martin Benitez Torres, Luis Wilson Leon, Mercedes Flores, Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado, Gilberto Silva Menendez, Simon Fernandez, Oscar Aracena Montero, Enrico Enrique Rios Jr., Miguel Angel Honorato, Javier Jorge Reyes, Joe Paniagua, Jason Josephat, Corey Connell, Juan Rivera's Velasquez, Luis Conde, Shane Tomlinson, Juan Chavez Martinez, Gerald Arthur Wright, Leroy Fernandez, Tevin Crosby, Jonathan Vega, Jean Nevis Rodriguez, Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, Yilmary Rodriguez Sullivan, Christopher Andrew Leononen, Angel Candelario Padro, Frank Hernandez, Paul Terrell Henry, Antonio Davin Brown, Christopher Sanfeles, Akira Murray, Geraldo Ortiz Jimenez, young people, people of color, queer, out dancing in a place that made them feel safe and protected from bigotry and hatred. And apologies uh, if if I didn't get the name exactly uh, correct there. There were calls in the days that followed for straight people to post their solidarity, to acknowledge what happened, and some did. Most did in my feed, but not all, not everyone, and not me. And I'm trying to correct that with this episode tonight, folks. I stand with my friends, lesbian, gay, queer, transgender, cisgender, transitioning, questioning, those on and off the spectrum, wherever you may be, wherever your identity sits for you at this moment. I acknowledge you, I support you, and I give you my undying, unflinching love. On the other side of my family, they were preachers. In the uh, Presbyterian Church, members of the Christian faith uh, who rode horses through Vancouver to spread the word of gospel and, and of the gospel and the church. My grandfather was a minister like that. We were called circuit preachers. He, uh, on one of his rides, snagged his eye on a tree branch while on horseback. Had a funny eye ever since. You couldn't exactly tell where he was looking. But he was a great speaker and a knowledgeable man who traveled the world and wasn't shy about telling you all about it. He and my mother used to fight uh, because he just knew everything uh, uh, about everything. There wasn't a subject you could bring up that uh, he didn't have some little bit of insight that he was more than happy to share with you. And to me, that's one of his great assets. I looked up to him, despite some human failings I'd later discover after he passed. But one of the great lessons that he ever gave me was this. And it was involved a conversation uh, about a street preacher who was harassing students outside of a convenience store in Providence, Rhode Island. I called him and I asked him why the young man was being so forceful about his beliefs. I had tried to engage with him and there was just nothing. He wouldn't give me any room for an argument. It was his way and that was it. 
And my grandfather told me that he had never cared for that brand of preaching. He told me that Jesus was above all a man of tolerance, that we should all aim to be as tolerant of one another as possible and take great care in respecting one another. Imagine that, respect for one another. That seems to have been forgotten by most of the Bible-thumping conservatives out there, the ones who align themselves with the Christian right. So-called not just because it's on the right end of the political spectrum, but because they truly believe that they're right and everyone else is wrong. In their world, when supposedly based on the teachings of a gentle person, tolerance goes out the window. Not with everybody. Individually, you'll find some good, decent people. And they, they, they have members of their families who, who are gay, who are other things that... that they make exceptions in their own lives, but then when they're around other people, when they get into the groups, when you go to the rally, when you're wearing a Make America Great Again hat, you're expected to act a certain way, to play a role, and that's what people do. People are more than willing to do that, to be part of the group, to be part of the movement, to be part of whatever is uh, getting them all stirred up. But on a one-to-one basis, there's still this opportunity to see it. We, we don't have to get into the fact that uh, you know, Bible stories were tailored for their audiences. The same way a comedian likes to have a tight five and might tailor the room if it's a corporate event, you, you, the people telling the stories from the Bible surely uh, made some pieces a little quicker, made uh, uh, maybe embedded, somehow worked in the name of the company. <laughs> you know, that's why you see so many accountants in the Bible. But, uh, you know, they, 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 they changed it. As they went along. So as a reliable source, it's a little bit uh, fuzzy. But I do think that the underlying tenet still remains the same. That idea of being tolerant, of being generous. Uh, You know, all of the stories have the current uh, uh, through them that is about helping us to unify, to stand up for ourselves, to guide us through dark days, to, to, to find acceptance, to, to, to fight for freedom in the face of oppression or tyranny that one can be a better person. I have never loved more, laughed more, or learned more about people than I have from my LGBTQ friends. Honestly, it feels funny to even have to call them out with a label like that. They're just my friends, my extended family, my loved ones. But in this moment, when an act of violence has been done against them, we still have Fools in our federal and local governments who act out of petty, small-mindedness and ignorance. I'll say it loudly and as frequently as necessary. This is Pride Month and I take great pride in my loved ones and in their accomplishments. To be in entertainment and in the arts is to work alongside some very talented people who identify as gay. I'd identify as gay too, but that's insensitive and B, I have enough body issues already. I should try to be more tolerant of myself, and maybe that's a good place for us all to start. But I can't say how much the gay community has meant to me. The joyful evenings spent laughing in the seat of a theater. The nights I basically considered giving up comedy altogether in some uh, terrible basement somewhere. Watching a video online and, and, and spitting ginger ale out because I'm laughing so much, becoming teary while pouring through a book uh, of great prose or poetry. I read the social media posts and I think about losing people I care about this much. And I I do what's happening right now. 
I get teary. I cry. I get emotional and angry and scared, and I don't know where to turn, and so I have to stop. Write your government. Run for office. Don't think about voting for Donald Trump. Just don't do that for Donald Trump. He's a fraud. It's proven. I think even he wants out at this point. Get rid of the guns. Take them all. Make it so that one day we look back at guns the way we look at slavery now. Let it be a shameful moment in our past that we try to distance ourselves from the sheer atrocity of it all. These corporations making the things, they make money off of death. And any company that does that, eh, not so good. You know? Do we say evil? Because that's what it seems like to me. When it, when a, a company uh, chooses death as a profit, seems to me that's not one I want to do business with. Let's choose a world that's better. It's not run on greed. A world that holds as one of its values our continued existence. Does your company want people extinct? Uh, maybe don't work or invest in that company any longer. I get worked up about this stuff. I know guns not the only problems in this. There are others, and people are working, even as I speak, to, to change some of the laws in this country. But we also have to get rid of this, this entitlement and this disrespect and the intolerance that is there uh, for people who are different from us, whatever that is. I remember the first gay couple I ever met as a young, young kid. They owned a fabric and sewing store next to the do-it-yourself frame shop where my mother worked. And these two guys could not have been more gentle, as you would imagine. And they really supported my love of a, a hot item at the time, which were these Cabbage Patch dolls. I found out later while attending a July 4th picnic at their house that they loved all sorts of dolls. I went into the master bedroom while looking for the bathroom and on the bed. Oh, and my gosh, it was the biggest bed I'd ever seen. I don't know what you call that, a California king? I don't know why California kings are so big, but this one, oh, you could fit tons of kings on there. And in fact, what they had done on the bedspread, this nice, I'm sure, purchased at an Amish store somewhere, this red quilted bedspread. On top of that, just hundreds of dolls. I mean, hundreds of them, all lined up, arms out and ready for a hug. You know, oh, cabbage patch. Old ones with ceramic heads, stuffed ones, homemade ones, just so many dolls, ladies and gentlemen. And in the cabinets around the room, there were more of them, beautifully lit, those little halogen lights, antique ones with porcelain hands showing tiny fractures in the glaze around the knuckles, frilly bonnets on their heads, eyes staring straight out, a collection of tiny girls in fancy dresses. And again, you know what I felt in that moment? It was not animosity, it was not hatred, it was jealousy. Not specifically because of the dolls, but because they just had so many. Their collection was so complete and so wonderfully displayed. I wanted to run over and ask who did their cabinets. I was 12. But I learned since that time to to be less jealous, to, to, to not... Uh, to not covet that which other people have or be judgmental when they don't. We're all doing our best. I'm an only child, not counting my brother who I don't care for and never see. And growing up, I always sought out large families and did theater shows because it meant I would be around a lot of people. I don't know anyone. Uh, I don't know why anyone 
would want a smaller circle of friends. I want my support system to be diverse and gay and straight and ridiculous and reliable and deep so that I can call them when I'm in need. And I don't want anyone to think they can't ask me for help. I know I'm bad at talking about the weather, but I'll help you carry something to your car or wait with you while you call a locksmith. Now, I won't forget that I did it, and I expect a little thank you, but I'll be there for you. Let's just be there for each other through loss and triumph. To my friends, to my gay friends, I love you and support you. I stand with you now. I stand with you always. Till next time, I'm going to be quietly and very emotionally watching the way we were as I empty another whiskey bottle and hope for real change in the country I call home. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Tale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at DaleRadio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. You got confusion all over.